Welcome to the Vacation Impossible podcast for Monday, June 12th, 2023. I am recording on the inaugural cruise of the Carnival Venezia. And so thank you so much for joining us. Topics today, we're going to be talking about the Carnival Venezia. It's the Carnival Venezia extravaganza. So you'll be getting a review of this new Carnival ship which was formerly a Costa ship, which they did some renovations on, so it's new to us, it's got a new name. And we're going to be talking about the Carnival Hub app chat function. We're also going to be talking about, do all ships have hidden decks? So stay tuned for all that and more coming right up. Uh, as we always do, though, we're going to begin with the trip so far. This trip has been a little hit or miss. Uh, unfortunately, I've had some various medical issues over the course of this trip, I basically had like two, maybe three days where I wasn't facing some sort of medical issue. Some of them were not good out loud words, uh, as Toby says on the West Wing. So I'm not going to get into the details of that, um, that goriness. But I will say that being sick or having any kind of medical issue on a vacation in general, but on a cruise in particular, yeah, it's it, it sucks. I mean, it doesn't have to completely ruin your experience. As with anything, it's a lot about your attitude in dealing with it. But I think that uh, on a cruise or when you're in a place where people don't speak the languages you speak, that can be particularly vexing. Whether it was in Barcelona where we departed from or the various ports in Spain and Portugal before we made the crossing across the Atlantic, I had this habit or bad experience that was just kind of repeated, a bit like Groundhog Day, where I would go into the port, I would try to find the nearest pharmacy, and I would do my best to try and translate what I needed to them. That's no fun. I don't generally have uh, additional travel insurance or medical insurance. I think this might be the last trip on which that is true, because that's also worrying as well. If something gets worse, if you can't treat it yourself, you're potentially staring at life-altering bills, and that is life-altering in a bad way. Uh, in the creator uh, you know, space that I operate under, I'm, I also run another YouTube channel and a Facebook group called Small YouTubers Boost, where I talk to creators, and we talk about life-changing money. This would be life-changing bills, life-ruining bills, life-altering for the worse. And so that's a stress added upon whatever the medical issue is that you just don't need. Yeah, let us know what recommendations you have for travel insurance, because uh, you know we have, a, we have a video on YouTube, actually, where I talk about, and I talked about this, I think, in a previous podcast. I think that video a clip from it where I talk about like how I would just roll the dice and not generally get insurance because I was trusting you know customer service recovery and my own ingenuity to get me through situations and that lasted well through my 20s and 30s but as I'm now creeping into my mid 40s I'm thinking I need a better peace of mind and a bit better coverage and options there but that having been said the trip has still had amazing moments and I didn't let it completely get me down despite my challenges I did find many opportunities to have one experiences on this trip. Barcelona was nice. Uh, one thing that was interesting about Barcelona, they have uh, Uber, but they do not have Lyft. And I believe that there's another one that they have we didn't try, but it was kind of interesting. So I had some small level of anxiety about going to Barcelona. I actually really enjoy walking around European cities where I don't speak the language. I mean, I like it better when I do speak the language, but that part, I, it, it's neither here nor there when I'm just walking around and having a port day or doing a day on my own, and that's fine and fantastic, and I actually love it. It gives me great joy to just walk around a European city and just, do I go left or do I go right? Where do I go? And it's so completely random and arbitrary, 
but I always end up finding something amazing without exception. Okay, correction, one exception, Vigo. Didn't see much there, but it was a rainy day. Everything was closed. So Vigo notwithstanding, walking around a European city, I don't know that I've ever really had a bad time. That is absolutely lovely. So why did Barcelona bring up anxiety for me? And the reason was this. I was flying in the day before my cruise, and so the difference is I had to get to the cruise port by a certain time. And so that little bit of time pressure and having a specific target that I needed to hit there, where I was surrounded by people that I might not be able to communicate effectively with, that was giving me a little bit of anxiety. So managing to get from the airport to the hotel, checked into the hotel, and then from the hotel to the port. But it was largely fine getting picked up from the Barcelona airport was kind of funny because we we get out there and the Barcelona airport has Wi-Fi, so thank you very much, Barcelona airport. Most airports nowadays have free Wi-Fi, but not all necessarily, and some of it's time limited. So thank you, Barcelona airport. I will always be grateful for free Wi-Fi. You know, it's good to practice gratitude, and that's one area where I definitely am happy to do so. We were trying to book it, and the Uber app kept recommending taxis, which was interesting, but the taxis were more than the Ubers would have been, but the Ubers were sort of, there weren't any of Available, But we had landed several hours before our check-in time for the hotel that we had time to kind of keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, and eventually we did. And in the Uber app at the Barcelona airport, it's not really abundantly clear where you're supposed to go for a pickup. And we're just walking around trying to figure out, using the GPS a little bit. And so we were like, oh, maybe it's over here sort of in this island, like away from the airport, uh, this sort of meridian thing. And so we head out there and we're like, we're not sure if we're in the right place. We're really worried whatever several several minutes go by more than i would like to admit and then i look down at the ground and see that it has painted the uber logo on the ground nearly right in front of us so thankfully through gps and our own intuition we had found the right place uh, but it took us a while to realize it we were expecting i think a sign on a pillar or something uh something at eye level but this was painted on the ground in the road So had there been several Ubers there idling, for example, which there probably wouldn't have been, but maybe if there was a backlog and people called it before they got the luggage, whatever, if there had been a bunch of Ubers there waiting or maybe timed pickup, something like that, you wouldn't have necessarily been able to see the sign on the ground because the cars would have been on top of it. But in Barcelona, and actually this seems pretty consistent across Spain, is that the Ubers are really well marked. Like, there's livery on the side of these vehicles, and a lot of taxis also function as Ubers as well, which is interesting. So maybe that's part of why they have Uber, but they don't have Lyft, because I'm thinking Spain's requirements in terms of licensing, insurance, but probably more likely uh, branding, I think, is probably why Lyft hasn't penetrated Spain yet. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, but, you know, we, we got to where we were going largely fine. Although it was funny because um, the, the Lyft that did pick us up was having trouble with his app. And so we get into the vehicle and he's like tapping away on his phone before he starts driving. And there's the option that comes up and Sam had booked this uh, particular Uber. Uh, and so this option comes up to give us a rating, to give Sam a rating. So we gave him a full five star rating as a passenger, which... Reminder to those of you who use Uber and Lyft, you get rated as a passenger. So be a nice and kind passenger. You are the customer. But I think that if you get a low rating, I'm not an expert here, but I would think a low rating, you're more likely to get rejected for rides and things like that. So I think that's good. That's accountability on both sides of that transaction, both the driver and the customer, kind of has an incentive and accountability for their behavior. I think that's great. So Sam and I were joking like, oh, I have a 4.88. He's got a 4.85 
five or vice versa or something like that rating. And so it's just kind of funny. It's like, who's the nicer client? And that's kind of like, I don't know, that's fun. Like, what's your what's your rating? I'm curious. Let us know. And what's been your experience with Uber? Like, if you have less than, say, a four-star customer rating what has your experience been because mine has been largely lovely almost without exception there was one pretty rough exception in la that i've talked about on a previous podcast but other than that been very positive and so i think that maybe that might have something to do with my my uh my customer rating so anyways he rates sam in the app and then like the app is like oh would you like to hire a new ride or you know whatever uh and i'm, I'm looking over his shoulders he's doing this and he's like I don't know what's going on. She's like, okay, well, the app's being strange. He tries reloading it multiple times. Doesn't work. Uh, he asked where we're going, but it was in Spanish with a little broken English, and Sam really didn't know how to, I think, uh, say anything in Spanish. Uh, so I just brought up the address of the hotel on my phone, and then I kind of showed him so he could, like, look at it as he typed it in. And so we're going along, and he goes, you know, don't worry about it, guys. Uh, probably a free ride because I canceled. And so that was kind of interesting because he thought that he had canceled and wasn't going to get paid at all. He thought it was a free ride, yet he still continued to take us to the hotel. So we definitely, uh, I hope Sam uh, gave him uh, five stars and a, and a decent tip. Because uh, what was interesting is after we got to the hotel, he gets out and he helps us with our luggage, and he helped us put our luggage in the car as well. So I normally like to tip somewhat based on that, but... Uh, because the app was going crazy, we didn't even know if we'd have an opportunity in the app to tip. So um, the trip was supposed to be something like 16, 17, 18 euros, something like that to take us to the hotel. And so it looked like we were getting it for free. So what I did is I just gave him five euros, which was the smallest paper denomination of euros I had on me as a tip after he took the luggage out. So that worst case scenario, let's say that that ride was completely free. At least he's getting five euros for his trouble because I feel bad. You know, there's a tiny tiny marginal amount of wear and tear on the vehicle but you know the gas um i didn't actually check what kind of vehicle it was uh maybe it was electric i don't know but the fuel of whatever kind uh so i felt a little bad for him and i didn't want him to go completely just screwed because he didn't know how to use the app properly or or it crashed maybe it wasn't under his control uh and i so i didn't think that was really fair uh and so i gave him five euro and then once we got into the hotel on the hotel Wi-Fi, Sam brings up the app. And basically what it did is it measured as if he had driven us like 100 meters down the front of the airport and dropped us off uh, for whatever reason. And so and then that was going to charge us something like, I don't know, like eight euro or something, uh, which was weird. But I guess like it's kind of like a taxi. You pay a pickup rate and then there's the marginal distance after that. Maybe it's calculated that way. I don't know. Um, but that was interesting. So in the end, I think, yeah, like the, the app probably charged about eight euro. And so I tipped five. So that puts us at 13. And then I don't know what Sam might have done uh, as a potential tip on top of that. Uh, I haven't asked. I'll find out later when I when we figure out who owes who what. Uh, I paid for the hotel. He played. He paid for the well part of the Uber anyways. And I paid for part of it, too. So we'll sort all that stuff out when we're back in Canada. And he likes to use the Splitwise website for that. I'm a simple guy. I just use Excel and like email. Excel, if it gets really complicated, I can probably just do it all in email, fine. But he likes to use the app, uh, the website, whatever, so that's fine. Uh, I don't personally recommend Splitwise because uh, when paying for this cruise, he had put the full information about what I owed on this cruise on Splitwise, and Splitwise never let me know. No email notification of any kind. I was going weeks, and I was like, why doesn't Sam let me know? Because like we char it charges in American dollars, but then it posts on our credit card, converts to Canadian. And so I want to know what to give him in Canadian. 
And so I'd just been waiting for him to tell me. And like weeks and weeks and weeks went by. And I was like, this is kind of weird. I was building up my savings so it will be less of a hit when I pay it. So I was like, okay, I, I'm not in a rush. But then like the trip was starting to get pretty close. And I was getting a little anxious. So I'm like, wait a minute. I remember before Sam used to use Splitwise. I'm going to log in and see if there's anything there maybe. And sure enough, there it was. And it had been sitting there for several weeks. I never got an email. I checked my junk folder. There was nothing. I don't know what's going on with Splitwise. Uh, so, you know, thankfully Sam's cool about it. But I could easily see the lack of notification the lack of consistent notifications, uh, easily screwing people up. And then, like, what if you get hurt feelings? You could have ruined friendships over stuff like that. People get crazy about money. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, disrespectful or whatever, or they're trying to make me a chump. Who knows what kind of hard feelings you could get. So personally, I would recommend against Splitwise. And it was actually kind of funny because Splitwise from the previous trip, had been emailing me constantly, marketing stuff, like, oh, use us for this, use us for that. And I'm like, I don't care. And then, like, two months after the trip, it sent me an email saying, oh, thousands of dollars. Uh, and so I'd logged in, and I didn't know anything. It was like, oh, no. It, and then I read it very carefully. In the very fine print, it was like, no, this is a summary of all of the charges that you had entered in the last, like, fiscal quarter or some nonsense. And I'm like, okay, you know, maybe if I'm a company and I don't do my own accounting or something uh, for, you know, travel expenses, maybe that kind of report is, like, useful and something you'd expect. But is it just a guy? <laughs> it kind of, like, it wasn't transparent. It caught me off guard. I'm like, why does Splitwise say I, I owe, like, four grand, seven grand, whatever it was? It was, it was, one of the, it was a disturbing email um, all about nothing. And so, personally, I'm not a fan of that. I just, like, I always keep track of it in Excel if it's complicated or just figure it out in an email otherwise. But Splitwise does have a nice thing where you can upload and attach proof. So you can do like screenshots or pictures of receipts. And it does let you do splitting across multiple people uh, by percentage or dollar figure, different allotments, whatever. So some of that function is nice. I just don't know that my life is very often going to get that complicated. It was a little useful on the previous transatlantic because there were three of us and there were hotels and Ubers and cruises and restaurants and all sorts of things. Um... So, you know, we'll we'll sort all that stuff out. But it was kind of interesting, that whole experience in Barcelona and the ride share. But Barcelona was really quite lovely. People were very friendly. We found uh, a place to eat at that had uh, menus in multiple languages, which was nice. I got a flatbread pizza there, which was pretty good. That was sort of Barcelona. And the various ports we went to were all just lovely. We went to Lisbon and Ponto Delgado and a bunch of other places. And in every port... I basically had the same experience. Even Halifax. We, we just we left Halifax uh, yesterday, and today's our last sea day. Every city, two feet in a heartbeat. I am becoming more in love with this approach, not less. And it's funny because I'm talking about these medical issues and I'm getting older and stuff. But when it comes to a port day, uh, particularly in Canada and in Europe, two feet in a heartbeat is fantastic. You just walk and head towards whatever seems interesting. I ended up attending Mass at the birthplace of St. Anthony in Lisbon. Uh, and so, like, if you know me at all, that should surprise you. <laughs> but that's what happens when you just decide to walk around and you see a queue, a lineup, and you're like, I wonder what this is for. You know, years and years and years ago, and I'm going to date myself a bit with this, I, I was at the movie theater, uh, you know, in, in Vancouver, Burnaby Metro Town, it's called, and uh, I saw a huge line, and I didn't know what it was for, but I didn't have any plans that day because I was, you know, a teenager or whatever, uh, and I didn't have work that day, so my friend and I just got in line and we were like, I wonder what this is. 
Uh, and then we go up and we bought a ticket. And we were like, we'll have what everyone else is having, please. <laughs> and so we bought a couple tickets, not knowing what we were buying. And the ticket says ID4. And we were like, we watched television back then. We watched commercials. We were somewhat in the know. And we're like, what the hell? What f- movie franchise is about to have its fourth movie, its third sequel? What? There's nothing like that out right now. What, are the, what is this even? And then we go in, boom, Independence Day. Amazing experience. I went in knowing nothing about it. I didn't know the film was coming out. Uh, so, like, we sit there. It's dark, uh, you know, and then you get, you get the shot of, like, the moon and the rumbling of the spacecraft and everyone's trying to figure stuff out. And I feel like I'm part of it because I'm trying to figure stuff out, too, because I don't know what movie I'm watching. I'm like, whoa, Jeff Goldblum. Oh, look, Will Smith. You know, back before he was slapping folks. Well, you know, uh, outside of uh, 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 stage combat. <laughs> I'm not even going to dive into that whole thing. Um, but it was an amazing experience. And it was funny because the following summer, same thing. I'm at the mall. Uh, didn't have work that day. I was with, I think, the same friend. Uh, might have been John. I'm not sure. And we just see a huge lineup. And I'm like, okay. Let's get in this. It worked out so great last time. So we get in the line and we see these like silhouettes and one says J and one says K. And we're like, are we going to see a comedy? Is that just kidding? Like joking? Something? What is that? And we didn't really recognize who the silhouettes were. We go up and we're like, we'll have what everyone else is having, please. Uh, and, and then we get a ticket. It says MIB. And we're like, what the hell is MIB? <laughs> why do we keep getting these weird acronyms? To this day, I don't understand why Independence Day is called ID4. I get it. July 4th is Independence Day. But who thought to shorten it to ID4? I couldn't. Like, I don't, I don't know what the, like, how do you get to that point? I can backwards, you know, reason my way out of that. MIB, okay, Men in Black, got it, cool. But I go in, and I was like, wonder what this movie is. Oh, look, Aliens, Will Smith again. <laughs> and so uh, that is, I think, a very unique experience. I, I know unique is binary. You're either unique or you're not. It was a unique experience. You're not allowed to say very unique, whatever. I think there's degrees of uniqueness, but I'm going to put that aside for you grammar Nazis. But, like, that kind of, like, just going in blind and dumb probably sounds counterintuitive because like i like doing research i like being an informed traveler i like knowing at least some of the language of the place that i'm going or having a translation app or something so i'm i'm not totally a burden on the people around me or making them have a difficult day uh that's part of why i had some anxiety about barcelona i didn't want to be a jerk i didn't want to be that stereotypical north american who just doesn't know anything and expects the world to speak english and fall at their feet because they're paying in dollars you know like i don't want to be that guy uh, and I had a bit of an experience, you know, in the previous transatlantic like that at a gift shop in a pharmacy where my Spanish just fell apart on me because uh, I'm not very strong in Spanish at all. Uh, you know, I know some French, a little Italian, uh, but ooh, like uh, I, I'm no more Spanish than German, though. So I've got that. But anyways, and but recapturing that just wonder of a completely new experience, not knowing where you're going, what's in store and then being so completely blown away. I think that is just such a blessing. I think maybe that's why I'm like sometimes uh, with my family or whatever. It's like I want to do something and give them a positive surprise. I'm like, hey, everybody, we're going to watch a movie. And I like won't tell them what movie or, you know, like, oh, hey, you know, let's head in this direction. And I won't tell them I've got a plan to go to this restaurant because I think that pleasant surprises are so few and far between. that They're a rare and special gift, really, uh, in the modern era where, like, you know, uh, everything is 
connected all the time and you know everything all the time and, and all of that. And that's part of why I don't like getting like, you know, a SIM card or a roaming data package, just hunting for the Wi-Fi, um, because that is how you can sometimes have amazing adventures from this amazing first person experience if you don't know what you're getting yourself into. And so I attended mass because I just got into a line not knowing where it was going. It was outside of a church. I assumed it was for a tour or, or maybe this is the where you go in or maybe like there's an admission cost. Sometimes that can be a thing or you make a donation to go in or whatever. And I ended up attending Mass in Portuguese. <laughs> I'm not a particularly religious person. I like to think of myself as somewhat spiritual, but I don't subscribe to a particular religion. <laughs> Which is why. And I don't speak Portuguese. My Portuguese is worse than my Spanish. Probably worse than my German, even. Like, it might as well have been Swahili. And in fact, I know some Swahili. Don't know much Portuguese at all. And so it was. there was some beautiful singing... And I did feel that sense of spirituality and just the church that it was in was awe-inspiring and amazing. Now, I've been in amazing churches. I've gone to the Basilica at the Vatican, you know, uh, Westminster Abbey. I've been to a lot of these uh, amazing mega churches, And this kind of, I still felt that kind of epic reverence about it. And so then I went underground to sort of the catacomb area where you can actually see where St. Anthony was actually born, like the bed upon which. Uh, so that was kind of unexpected as well. And then I get out of that, and then I walk around the church, and then there's this, like, 10 times, 20 times larger church right behind it. And I'm like, I was I was still in awe of everything I just experienced in the small church, and now I'm looking at this giant church, but it's boarded up. And so I guess it's not being renovated or just wasn't the right timing or something. Uh, so I wasn't able to go in that, but I just, like, mentally, you can kind of picture. It's like, okay, take what I just experienced and multiply by, like, 10 to 15 to 20 times, and you can kind of imagine what that must be like. And so, like, those sorts of things are just amazing and uh, I think that is a really great way to see Europe I, I do recommend you know I mean obviously take precautions learn as much of the language as you can in advance make sure that you know your money is secure uh, you know go with uh, the apps uh, you know for like Google Maps and a translation and download the language and download the local maps all on your phone before you leave your house do all that so at least you're prepared if things go wrong you know have uber and lyft and whatever other alternatives or local uh options there might be loaded on your phone logged in as well by the way logging in also generally requires receiving text messages and stuff like that if your mobile data is off when you're in europe you, you don't want to go and have to turn that on God knows how much that'll cost you. Uh, check your provider. <laughs> uh, it's probably scary. Uh, we have a video on YouTube about uh, Mindy sending, uh, I think, what is it, one email, listening to a voicemail, making one one-minute phone call, uh, and it cost her like $94 or something. And so I'm, I'm trying desperately to make that money back on that video. <laughs> and I think so far, after years and years, the video's made about $5 back. Four or $5. So it's going to be a while before we make that back. But please, go watch it. Watch it repeatedly. Watch it on... Put it on loop and go do the dishes. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. But if you, know, if you do want to support us, we do have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Vacation Impossible, where you can get special writings. I do uh, blog writings. I wrote some stuff on this trip about making fun of some Taylor Swift lyrics. So there's some comedy stuff there. I was talking about, um, I wrote something about how being made to wait can be a good thing for mental health. Uh, and some other stuff there. So if you want to know a little bit more of the crazy stuff rattling around in my brain, you can go check out the Patreon. Uh, and so there's a there's a one dollar tier. It's one dollar US, so it's like one twenty five Canadian. It converts whatever, but about a dollar a month. You can support the channel and everything we do. Maybe help us afford some travel insurance. <laughs> And also uh, get some behind-the-scenes pictures. Uh, Sam was 
uh, at MDR here on the Venetia, and the waiter came up and says, oh, it's your birthday. And it was funny, because Sam's birthday was before this trip, days before this sailing. And when he checked in, he had mentioned there's a, there's an area, an online check-in, and you, we have a tutorial on YouTube on Vacation Possible where you can see the process of checking in online. But there's an area where you can say if you're celebrating something special. And he put in that he was celebrating his birthday. And so for some reason, they associated this one particular day as his birthday in MDR. And they came up, and uh, he couldn't talk them down, basically. So they came, and they sang, which is funny because when Julian had his birthday, legitimate birthday on the ship, they came and they sang. Uh, we recorded it. I tried uploading it as a reel on Facebook recently on Vacation Possible. It didn't take. I'm going to try again so you can go see that. I think it was his 10th birthday. It's, it's, a, it's a cute video. And when I had my birthday on a cruise, which was, I think, the Hawaii cruise, I didn't do squat. And I like I told them, I mentioned, you know. I mean, I didn't verbally tell them, but I did it all in the check-in and everything. Uh, but I was okay not being, you know, sitting there and being sung to. Uh, a special dessert would have been nice, but no biggie. And so Sam's getting it against his will. <laughs> and so I took a bunch of pictures. But, of course, Sam uh, didn't want me posting that. And so out of respect for Sam's privacy, I put it on our Patreon. So if you want to see Sam uh, getting embarrassed, uh, then you can do that. Also, um, there was a, a gag at Teppanyaki the other night where it was like he was wearing a diaper. Coming soon to our Patreon. So uh, for just as little as a dollar a month, you can support us there. We also have a higher uh, $3 a month tier that you can support us a little bit more and get a little bit more intimate writings, a little bit more personal stuff from me uh, as well on top of that. An update on our upcoming travel plans. We do have tickets for Portland Retro Gaming Expo, and I believe I've already booked the hotel for that. So we're going to Portland Retro Gaming Expo in October. It's our first time since the pandemic. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't go last year because a rescheduled concert from 2020 was on that same weekend when we went to go see New Order and Pet Shop Boys in Vancouver. And yeah, we made the right choice. That concert was amazing. Uh, I think we've got some uh, clips of that on our Instagram if you want to see some of that. Uh, so you can check that out. But yeah, we're going back to Portland Retro Gaming Expo. I want to buy a Dr. Mario Kart. Every time I'm there, I see the Dr. Mario Karts and... I know that, like, back before the pandemic, it's like a $5 game, loose cart. That's all I want is a loose cart. It doesn't have to be in good condition. I just wanted to play. So I can play it on my AVS or my Retron back home. Uh, but I kept seeing it 7 8 9 whatever. And I'm like, it's a $5 game. I want to, I want to get my $5 game for $5. Uh, but there's a convention tax sometimes. You pay a little bit more. And I just wasn't willing to do it. And so then during the pandemic, at one point when... Uh, someone in my family had COVID and I was isolating in my bedroom. I grabbed my NES games and I was just playing my AVS in the bedroom, uh, but I didn't have Dr. Mario. And, I, and so I was like, that's one of the few, few, it's like, oh, I should have done that before, before the pandemic. Most of the stuff during the pandemic, I'm like, I'm so grateful that I was able to take my road trip and all the cruises and go to Europe a couple times before the pandemic so that I didn't feel like I was, that I'd missed out. But that was one small area. So I'm going to try and do buy Dr. Mario in October. <laughs> and go see Pat Condra, who I'm a huge fan of. Uh, he'll probably be there. Uh, Julian has expressed a strong interest in taking a road trip in our home province of British Columbia, Canada, on the West Coast. And he just wants to go more north than he's ever been in our province. Because he's been more north because we took him to Alaska. And that was the trip with his birthday. After this trip, and being so far from the Canadian medical uh, <laughs> uh, coverage and uh, services uh, and all of that... You know, the, the hotel prices in the interior in the north of British Columbia are a little high in the summertime. That's when they make their money. It's understandable. But, like, I'm paying more than I would pay in most other places for, like, Kamloops. Why should I pay more in Kamloops than I'd pay in, I don't know, like, you know, Seattle or Miami or, 
I don't know, maybe even London. I'd have to check the math on that one. Uh, and so that feels a little silly, but I got to tell you, after this trip, uh, just having that flexibility of controlling where you are and everyone speaks the language and you got the medical coverage, like suddenly I'm really warming to this road trip idea. So you can probably look forward to maybe our next podcast being on that trip that is not yet booked, but I've got some ideas. We were going to try and take the carnival spirit, Sam and I, uh, through the Panama Canal. However, it has sold out. Sam is holding out this faint hope that there will be a cancellation and he can snipe in at the last minute and book something. But I basically said that I'm out because I don't imagine that that price is going to be compelling at all. And I also imagine that he's going to have, if it happens, and I mean, for his sake, I hope it does, but I would imagine he's going to have like five seconds to make it happen. So I'm not going to have time to sit down and be like, oh, is this affordable for me or not? Even though I've got my affordability range uh and you can know more about that on our youtube channel there's the video how much do cruises cost i talk all about that there it's about 130 dollars us per day pre-tax per person is sort of my affordability range but it depends like how short how long balcony interior things like that can influence what i'm willing to pay for and so i don't want to screw sam out of that opportunity but i also don't want to pay through the nose and i i feel like i want to get my health a little bit in a better place before i go on a protracted extended carnival journeys cruise again uh because i i mean as much as i've enjoyed this trip and this cruise and this ship i like i got like i feel like i got a a, a percentage of the experience I want to say 40 to 60 percent something in that range just because I've been so sick and otherwise concerned about my health and that's no good so I think I want to have like a solid month of like good health before I book a cruise again and then so my next cruise I think I got to dial it back I think I got to go back to basic something a little shorter four day maybe five six seven eight nine ten something in that range I don't think I'm going to be looking for, you know, much beyond that in the short term. Uh, Mindy's expressed a strong desire to not sail out of Long Beach because we last few cruises for her were out of Long Beach. I love Long Beach. Uh, and I think she's just looking for a different experience. I don't think she has anything against it. It's just she's done it several times in a row. So possibly sailing out of Galveston. We're thinking maybe January. Uh, we'll check back in there. And, of course, the two uh, items that are always on our potential future travel plans, uh, a Mario Marathon, if it ever happens. If Brian just decides to Mario Marathon, I will move heaven and earth to get there. No hints of anything in that direction, though, unfortunately. Nothing to report there. And uh, we're still hoping to one day take a decent, free My Vegas cruise. So they've actually had some cruises in stock lately, but they are one-way Alaskan cruises that either begin or end in a place called Seaward, uh, that doesn't seem to have an airport. <laughs> so it really sounds like you get half a cruise free, but you kind of got to do a back-to-back if you want to get back to civilization, it sounds like. Uh, and so that doesn't sound like a great deal. So I'm still hoping that we can do something there uh, or potentially a return just to Vegas and to use our loyalty points that way. So those are some things that we are considering. All right, so I'm on the Carnival Venezia. This is the inaugural sailing of the Carnival Venezia, formerly a coaster ship that was majorly renovated and refurbished uh, prior to this sailing. And so what people have been requesting and expecting uh, naturally, and I'm happy to deliver, here is my Carnival Venezia review. And it's mostly positive. Um, one thing that is important to know about the ship is it's a Vista-class ship. So if you've sailed on the Vista, uh, the Horizon, the Panorama, then you already have a pretty good feel of what sailing on the Venezia is like. 
it still has that kind of atrium. However, there are differences. The atrium here has a column with a gilded gold statue on top of it, rather than that big electronic monstrosity. I say monstrosity, I don't know how I feel about the big electronic column. I think it's unique. I don't know that it's better. I think that it's cool that some ships have it. It's kind of, uh, you can consider it a gimmick, maybe. Uh, it can be kind of mesmerizing, like around the holidays, where they it's like little uh, baubles and decorations, and then they kind of clear out. Um, but... Sometimes having a giant screen to stare at takes away from the human interactions. So it depends on your vibe and what you're into. But that's one thing that's different from the Venetia and all the other Vista-class ships is that big sort of centerpiece in the atrium. But that's largely cosmetic. And a lot of the differences are cosmetic. And so that may or may not matter to you. So, for example, this ship, I was a little surprised to see because I hadn't been following it that carefully as I was traveling to Barcelona and everything uh, and planning this trip. But it still has the funnel from its Costa day. So it's yellow with the blue sea. Carnival, Costa, they both start with sea, so it kind of works, I suppose. But I kind of like the, the whale tail thing. And so I kind of wish that they had put that on because with them not having changed that, that makes me wonder, like, what did they change? How much have they changed to make this more carnival? It's, it's just kind of generic... And it seems less special somehow. It's it's cosmetic. It doesn't affect my cruise at all. And yet at the same time, I do kind of have a feeling about it. I do kind of I wish I prefer that they had actually swapped it out and put the funnel on there. But of course, there was that fantasy class ship. I think it was the Freedom that had the giant fire, and so it's still missing a big part of its funnel. So I guess it would be a little weird to give this ship a funnel before replacing that ship's. So I hope it's something that they do in the future. It's not that important, but it's just part of I guess the vibe. I don't know. And so it feels like, as a result of that and some of the other cosmetic differences, that this is kind of an older vibe. Which isn't necessarily bad. Uh, you know, could be considered more relaxing. But it feels a little less energetic, a little less fun, a little less lively. Oddly. So another example is there's a lot of gold. <laughs> um, we have a mirror in our cabin that has, it's like a gilded mirror with this kind of gold. I mean, it's probably not real gold, but it's like painted gold uh, around it. The frame, and the frame actually became a bit of a problem accessing the power outlets. Thankfully, we had our Trond Power Cube, which we strongly recommend. It's cruise compliant, and it takes one outlet, and uh, one three-prong outlet, and it gives you three three-prong outlets plus two USB ports. So that saved the day in terms of the gilded mirror getting between us and the ports if you want to visually see what i'm talking about we'll have a video up on our youtube channel vacation impossible where you can see the power outlets on the carnival venezia and why the gilded mirror got in the way and so that's one small example where the cosmetic thing actually had uh, a practical implication uh, and it was it's minor but it was funny because i was in one of the ports i think it was gibraltar and i was in a gift shop or a curio shop and there was someone else from the ship who was trying to figure out some power adapters and so I was trying to help him out, and because I had already filmed uh, my video about the power, and I had taken some pictures for the thumbnail, I was able to bring up on my phone because he was having trouble communicating with the shop owner. He's like, oh no, it's got this angled kind of three-prong thing, and the guy just didn't get it. And so I brought it up on my phone, I was like, here you go. And he was so appreciative of my help, uh, and he was like, oh, thank you so much. And he explained to me, he says, like, look, I've got things I can't plug in because the North American outlets are blocked by the damn mirror. <laughs> and it's gilded mirror frame whereas this unknown outlet 
was was free and clear of it off to the side and so he wanted an adapter so he could just use that outlet and it was funny that he was going through that process and he was going through that frustration he was like there's something that I brought that only plugs in like this particular kind of plug and he's like I'm having to plug that in into the bathroom which I know I'm not supposed to do but otherwise I can't use that device because it'll just drain and it'll be out of power can't recommend the Tron Power Cube enough it's saved my bacon so many times you can count the Venetia as one more time it's done it even though there's a decent amount of power outlets, I couldn't charge my Canon camera, it was the particular thing, uh, without having that adapter just to get it away from the mirror. And so I brought it up, and it was funny because I'd already filmed and edited the video, and so that was all ready to go. And I hadn't rendered it yet, but I edited it and I filmed it. And we realized, with Sam's help, that the plug in question was Australian. In the video, I had mistakenly identified it, I think, as a UK or, or some other... Uh, uh, part of Europe's plug. Europe has several plugs, depending on the part of Europe you're going to. So, good thing to be aware of. But that's the thing. And so you get this older style. They call it Italian, which I guess, but it's not It's not just Italian. It's like classical Italian. And so it's a little bit different. It's not modern Italian. They say fun Italian style. It's classical Italian, not modern Italian. However you define that, but part of it is like, yeah, gold framed, gilded stuff all over the place columns things of that nature and so it feels like sometimes it's a less efficient use of space in like the restaurant the restaurant's not so open as you might be used to experiencing on a conquest or a dream class or even other vista classes and so i get the sense that the costa version of this ship had fewer guests in mind and was designed with that and so like who knows how many of those like walls and extra dividers in the restaurant is load bearing or just wouldn't have been worth like knocking out to give you extra space but that having been said visually it felt like it wasn't as an efficient use of space i never felt cramped so take that for what that is but overall, the Carnival Venezia, she's a good ship. Every now and then you run into its personality here and there, whether it's the gold-framed mirror, which I keep harping on. For example, there's no pig and anchor. And so there was somebody who was asking someone about pig and anchor. They were asking, I believe, at the bar by the back, the aft pool for some reason, about, oh, where's the pig and anchor? And I was waiting to get my free uh, red VIFP level bottle of water. Because you got to get that from the bar now, in case you didn't know. <laughs> Post-COVID, you got to go get that bottle of water yourself from any bar. Don't drink the one in your room, because they might charge you, they might not. I've heard reports both ways. Don't risk it. Also, because the price on that bottle of water is ridiculous. But I digress. And he, so he was trying to ask the, the bartender, like, oh, where's the pig and anchor? And he didn't even understand the question, the bartender. Might have been a slight language barrier thing, I don't know. But, I mean, a lot of the ships are having it now. It's become more and more common. And so they don't. But they do have bonsai teppanyaki. And the teppanyaki is amazing, as it always is. Strong recommend. If you work for Carnival, please stop listening for the next thing I'm going to say. I can't believe it's still only $38. It's such, it is, it is not only the best food on the ship, it is the best value on the ship. And at the end of our dinner at Teppanyaki, I turned to the other people, the total strangers that were seated with us, and I said, correct me if I'm wrong, but is this not the best food on the ship at the best value? And they all agreed. So Teppanyaki, definitely, it's here. So Teppanyaki, great, fantastic. No pick and anchor. So there's those little things. Uh, the VIFP party wasn't fantastic. They hold it in their theater. 
There's no way for the servers to really get to you if you're seated. Everybody just crowded around the bar. So the VIFP party was kind of a bust. I mean, Mark Hugh told a touching story about his mom and his first cruise, and so that was nice, but the rest of it really felt like they were just rushing through the motions. There were no appetizers. I didn't get a drink at all. Uh, And so, you know, it was nice hearing that story, but the rest of it was like, ugh. And so that's where you, I think, start to see, okay, this was, you know, not designed for the carnival crowd because there's no pig and anchor. They don't have it. There's not set up for the VIFB. I don't think they were thinking of people having tons of electronics that they were going to plug in. And so I think that, you know, every now and then some of the holdovers from the previous iteration of this ship shine through and you're like okay this is a little different and it can be a little bit limiting as a result in those three examples but that doesn't mean that it's not a good ship i would recommend this ship absolutely is this a contender for my favorite ship it is not it cannot compete it cannot even come close to the celebration uh that's the newer xl class it does have some lovely hidden decks and we've got a video on youtube where you can check that out and we show you in depth all three decks how to find them that was a very thorough video explaining how to get there and showing you everything. Very proud of that video. So the hidden decks are nice, but they're standard Vista class hidden decks. You'll get the same kind of hidden decks on the Panorama, on the Vista. And the only difference there, again, it's a subtle cosmetic thing. There are the wooden benches that you can go sit on. But on the Vista and the Panorama, it has Carnival Vista, Carnival Panorama carved into it. Whereas on this, there's nothing. And so it's those little tiny things. They don't really matter, but... When I run into it, I think, generally speaking, it feels slightly less than. So I would place this probably, if you assume that the ranking of the classes of ships are progressive, if you view it that way, I would put it above a dream but below the rest of the Vista class. Personally, uh, I I love a dream class. I love all the hot tubs on Deck 5, which this doesn't have. On Deck 5, there's like a planter. So you can go sit at a planter. Uh, you know, one day, looking out from our balcony, I look down at deck five, so I'm on deck seven, uh, right above the planter, there's a guy out there just trying to teach himself how to play guitar. That was kind of different. <laughs> I can't say I've seen that on any other Carnival Cruise. And of course, this is a unique experience being the transatlantic and the inaugural that draws a different kind of crowd. Generally, a lot more platinums and diamonds, older crowd, generally speaking. Uh, it's not generally the booze cruise, although <laughs> some people on the ship. <laughs> I was I was at uh, MDR for uh, for brunch. I was finally feeling well enough to go to brunch, my first brunch of the, of the cruise, and it's the last opportunity. There were these two women that sat down, and they just started, I kid you not, throwing things off the table that they didn't like onto the ground. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> uh, and so what was the, that episode uh, of the podcast where Mike was here and we had the, what was it, the Terrible Traveler Awards? Oh, man. <laughs> These people, they they definite contenders, uh, if not recipient of Worst Traveler. And it was right at the end because just who doesn't and and they were like loudly talking to people like flagging down a waiter and then a waiter did come over and they're like no i'm not ready to order yet it's like well then why did you because <sighs> they flagged them down the person came over and he's like oh i'm ready to like oh where's my waiter and they were like oh i'm not your waiter i'm in a different section but i'll find yours and then like two minutes later their waiter comes by apologizes and they say oh no no, no i'm not ready to order yet it's like what kind of game are you playing I mean, okay, you ordered your strawberry daiquiris when the bar staff came by, and that was somebody else. You were like, ah, we need to order a drink right away. I imagine you've got the cheers package. It was noon at the time, because they had remarked, and I looked at my watch, and it was it was shortly afternoon, and they were like, oh, it's noon, we can start drinking. 
Uh, and then they were loudly bemoaning how they hadn't, like, drank enough, uh, at least that day, because they, I guess, hadn't started yet. Maybe they slept in. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so that was, that. Was, there's still, you know, all types. By and large, I think the Venetia is a good ship. I would put it personally um, below the XL, Vista, and Dream class. But I'd probably put it above a Conquest. So if I'm looking at a Conquest or Spirit or a Fantasy class, something like that, uh, and but if I could do the Venetia at the same price, I'd go for the Venetia. But if it's Venetia versus, you know, the Dream, the Breeze, the Vista, the Panorama, the Celebration, I'd go with the other ship. That's where I put it in my pantheon and my ranking of cruise ships. I want to talk about the Carnival Hub chat function. I had an interesting conversation with someone the other day, at Teppanyaki, actually, and we were talking about the Hub chat. And so... This has been my first cruise that I've been on with anyone else uh, since the hub chat function has come out where I didn't have it. And I have to say, it's kind of been a pain. I think that anyone who bulks at $5, that's all it is. It's $5 per cruise, regardless of duration, per person, to activate the chat function in the app so that you can chat with anyone else on the ship who has the chat app. And it is absolutely worth it. Now, Sam didn't want to get it, and since he's the only person I'm traveling with, it makes no sense for me to get it and have no one to talk to. But it's $5. This is a 15-day cruise. So we saved $0.33 cents per day. And I think that it cost us various experiences. You know, Sam or I would be out somewhere... Uh, and no idea what the other person's doing, when they're coming back, what they're up to. There was a couple of times where I think that... Um, I know there was at least one time where I didn't know if he had returned from the port yet or not. And if he had had the chat app, I could have just said, like, hey, I'm back. Or, you know, are you on board yet? And we've done that on previous cruises. Um, and so I think he went to MDR, but I assumed he was still in the port, so I went to Guy's. And so he, I think he was a little annoyed that I didn't join him for dinner. But I know he was on the ship, much less that he wanted to have dinner together. Uh, and so for 33 cents a day for this for this sailing... That could have been avoided. You know, a similar thing. Yesterday, he wanted to go to lunch. And so I had just come back from eating lunch on Lido. And I come into the cabin and he's like, oh, hey, how about you come join me for lunch at MDR? The menu looks great. And I hadn't thought to look at the lunch menu for whatever reason. I was just craving guys. So I went for guys. Simple thing, right? Uh, but he'd been planning and wanting to go to lunch. He hadn't mentioned it previously. I don't know when he decided. It might have been a little bit before that. But I said to him, oh, I just had lunch. And he's like, oh, but look at the menu. There's all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I would have really enjoyed that. But I just had lunch. Uh, and he was like, no, but like you like this and you like this and you like that. Why don't you come along and join me for lunch? And I'm like, yeah, had I known 20 minutes ago, that would have been my plan. But I just ate. And he's like, oh, but this is this would be healthy for you. And this thing here, like that would help with your medical condition right now. Like you should really go to lunch. And I'm like, look, what you're not understanding is I am not hungry. I am full. I ate on Lido on my own because I had no earthly clue if you were even on the ship or what you wanted to do. But had I known and had we communicated for the low, low cost of 33 cents per day, I could have had maybe a lovely lunch experience. Not that I didn't enjoy guys, but I've had guys a few times on this sailing. There was some stuff they were offering at lunch that day I don't think I've seen before or since. And so I kind of feel like I missed out as a result of that. And so I am now a strong advocate for the Carnival Hub chat. It's a fantastic deal, even on 
a four-day cruise. It's $1.25. Isn't it worth $1.25 per day per person to be able to communicate with the rest of the people you're sailing with? If you're on a solo cruise, okay, don't get it. There's no one to chat with unless maybe, you know, you meet a, and make some new friends at, like, you know, dining with strangers at MDR. That makes perfect sense. But if you're sailing with anyone you know, just get the Hub app. Chat function. It's $5. Somewhere between $0.33 cents or $1.25 per day is a great deal. And you know what? If you're balking at $5, and I don't like to be this guy. People say this stuff all the time, like, oh, if you don't tip $100 every day to your steward or something, you can't afford cruises, blah, blah, blah. People say that in our Facebook group every now and then. Uh, not many people. It's a, it's a rare thing, It's but it's weird. It comes up every now and then. Uh, most of that community is fantastic. Over, I think, 350,000 people. Go check that out on Facebook. It's fantastic. I'm doing a bad job of selling the group to you. The group's normally lovely. But every now and then there's these people who are like, well, if you can't afford specialty dining every night, then you can't afford a cruise. And that is obviously something I disagree with. This channel, this podcast, this whole vacation possible effort I make. It's about showing people how you can travel more cheaply so you can do it more often. That is a huge value of mine. Travel is valuable. If you can do it more, that's better. And one of the ways we do that is by saving money so we can afford to do it more often. I am all about that. But $5 for chat is such a small amount of money that saving it gets you virtually nothing and it's cutting off your nose to spite your face because you're going to be you're going to be potentially frustrated at the lack of communication, lack of being able to, you know, find people to check in whatever. It's just it's it's such a simple thing. And so for just $5, I mean, come on, how can and so I did have an interesting conversation at Teppanyaki with a fellow named Gene, lovely lovely guy, very nice guy, He's from Tennessee, I believe. And so I was talking to him about it. And he was like, oh, I hate how they nickel and dime you like that $5 for the chat app. And I'm in the middle of my experience of like being frustrated at a lack of information and communication, being able to find and communicate with people I'm with. And so I'm strongly feeling in the other direction, but I'm trying to keep an open mind. I'm like, okay, I want if I can understand this better, maybe I can address this better, talk about it. So I say like, oh, well, what, what? makes you say that and he's like well you know i paid so much for this cruise and like the fact that the first thing they do is ask for five more dollars it just feels ridiculous and petty and bad experience and it, it it feels cheap and so i was like okay from that point of view i can kind of understand so i was like let me ask you this when did you start cruising and he was like oh is it like a year or two before the pandemic and that's when it clicked for me the difference between his perspective and mine my perspective, I started cruising in 2013. There was no app. There was free Wi-Fi where you could download, you know, maybe a PDF of the fun times. Um, I don't think they had menus up back then. Uh, it was ve very little, you know, stuff. Uh, John Heald had a blog that you could read that was free. That He doesn't do that anymore. But other than that, it was just a very limited version of the Carnival website on the free Wi-Fi. A little bit of stuff, maybe a ship map or something. Not much. And then when I was sailing on the Glory, they were beta testing the app. And they gave us free chat. And so it didn't work perfect, but, you know, we were kind of part of that beta test. And it was free. And then after that, once they kind of perfected it, air quotes, I am going to talk about the flaws of the chat. Don't get me wrong. There are flaws. It's not perfect. And so, but on subsequent cruises, I was like, well, okay, for five bucks more, I can get this thing that I did not have before. And so for me, that's a great value. That's a huge value. Strong recommend. Get the chat function anytime you sail with anyone who isn't you. <laughs> anyone in addition to yourself just do it just do it you can thank me later <laughs> but from his perspective because it 
he just thought it was something that should have been available because he never cruised when it didn't exist. And so from his perspective, it was like just this nickel and diming. It's like, well, they know that it's that it's a thing. Why don't they build it into the price and just give it to you? And there's an argument to be made for that. Carnival, if you want to go in that direction, I'm fine with it because then I wouldn't run into these same issues that I ran into today or on this cruise, I should say. But from my perspective, hey, you're having this great experience. We can make it a little easier and a little better for you for just five bucks more. What do you think? I'm like, sure. And so I think that also gets into issues of like loss aversion and stuff like that. I think he expected there to be a free chat function. And then when it wasn't there, he felt like he was losing something that he had expected and was somewhat entitled to. And I don't fault him for that position because Carnival is great, but they don't always do the greatest job of communicating everything because there's so much to know. It's not necessarily their fault, but to their guests. That's part of why we're here. This podcast, this YouTube channel, and the other things that we do on Facebook and our Facebook group and everything is to get more information before you go so you can manage those expectations and so he felt like we're we're we're, we're gonna put this little thing that you you were expecting behind this little this little padlock and if you give us extra money then you can have it and that was like the first thing he encountered when he got on board so i can appreciate where he's coming from but i think that if you sit down and think about between 33 cents and a dollar 25 a day you can stay in touch with the people that you know you're traveling with to know oh hey we're all gonna go to the you know the lido pool how about you join us we're headed to the whirlpool uh the hot tub serenity hey what are you thinking about dinner you know and that way it's freeing it's freeing. You don't have to leave notes and stick to the plan. You can change your mind. You don't have to constantly be in the cabin or report back to the cabin to coordinate or call the cabins or whatever. You, you know, you check it when you want to. It's so fantastic. It's worth every bloody penny. And you know what? This is going to make me unpopular. Come at me in the comments if you disagree. I don't care. Carnival, you can raise the price and I'll still buy it. And I don't want you to. <laughs> but it is so intensely valuable that I think it's that important. So... Car before the horse, I guess, but how to use the chat app. When you go to your cruise, before you get on board, you want to download the Carnival Hub app. And when you get on board, you log in. You used to log in with your folio number, but now you can log in with the same credentials you use for their website and just let them know when you're on board, basically. And then if you click on people uh, and click on somebody, or you can go to the chat function, there's a couple of different ways in it that you can get to that chat screen and there will be the pop-up that says oh activate the chat plan for five dollars you have to agree to the terms and conditions and click accept and so when you do that it will charge your sale and sign account five dollars if you have obc it will obviously deduct against the obc particularly if it's the first thing you do and if you haven't spent all your obc yet and that's another thing that was kind of funny because sam was trying to save these five dollars but he has like 250 dollars of obc on the sailing because of his stock credit so that's further why I didn't understand that reluctance, but I respected his choice. You got to accept people as they are. I mean, it's just that easy. And so then whenever you can go into the chat or you can go through the people function and the people function gives you a list of everybody on the ship, you can search, find somebody. And as long as they also have the chat plan, you can message each other. Now it's limited. You can't send pictures to each other. You can't send files. There's some limited emojis. So it has some limits, but it's still pretty good. So let's talk now that I've done my frantic sales pitch for the chat plan and I've explained to you how you can get that working on your Android or iOS device. I want to talk about now, I want to talk about its flaws. It's it's not perfect. It's not perfect. The messages don't always deliver instantly. However, I'm not entirely certain that that's the flaw of the app. 
One thing I've noticed with my phone is that every now and then it might actually disconnect me from the Wi-Fi. And it doesn't do a great job of letting me know about that. And so it could be that maybe I've disconnected and so that's why I haven't gotten the most recent message or my message didn't send. But sometimes there can be a delay. And sometimes the delay can be substantial. And the app has gone through different iterations. Your experience is likely to vary on different ships, and especially over time, and potentially different devices. But one thing that I've taken to doing with some of my traveling companions in the chat function of the Hub app is we would put our own timestamps on it if it was something that was time sensitive in a sense. So like, let's say that we're going to go to the hot tub, but maybe we're only going to go to the hot tub for like half an hour. And so we could say like, hey, we're headed to the hot tub. And then I might just in parentheses put like 1.30 p.m. And that's how you can get around that delay function. I mean, it doesn't mean that the message gets delivered faster or read faster, but at least when people see it, they'll have a slightly more accurate conception of when the message was sent. And of course, as with everything, stay on ship's time all the time. But that's mainly the flaw. And sometimes if you've got a group chat and like somebody might log out or re refresh the app, clear their cache, um, getting like going back to that chat can sometimes be problematic. So you might have to create a new group chat to make that work. That was, I think, an issue we had, I think, on the celebration, which is fairly recent. So it has some flaws. The messages can be delayed. The timestamps might not be reliable. Uh, and sometimes group chats can get a little hinky, might drop someone from the group chat and re-adding them might not work. Those, I think, are relatively minor issues. I do hope that they correct them and address them with subsequent updates and improvements to their network. But versus the olden days where we didn't have the chat, it's just so much better. It's just so much better. And I think a big part of cruising for me is relaxing and less stress. And so being connected to people, they say, oh, you got unplugged, whatever. You're traveling with people. And so being connected to them reduces stress it reduces misunderstanding it reduces frustration and more importantly it reduces missed opportunities and so i'm just i'm now like this is my first time not having it and it is night and day and it is not an addiction it's not like i gotta you know i mean it is kind of fun sometimes we're like oh you won't believe what i just saw you know uh and i did see some crazy things like uh, a dog pooped on Lido. Uh, and, and, and so like, I didn't see the dogs. I don't know what dog did it, but I just saw a bunch of people freaking out because there was dog poop on Lido near the buffet at one point on the ground. And that was kind of crazy. And like, you know, we were having a medical situation headed into Halifax where they were going to transfer someone by helicopter, but there was too much fog and then there was too much wind. Uh, and they eventually did that by boat. And so we're kind of like, Oh, you know, did you see anything? Or, you know, Hey, I'm at the comedy club, saved you a seat. We used to do that all the time. And then the person might be like, Oh, that's great. I'm coming. Or, Oh, not really feeling it or saw the show already please give that seat away those sorts of things so many so many examples you know hey um we're headed up to Lido. oh i'm not feeling great can you grab me something sam himself the man who did not watch chat on this cruise hurt his ankle on the celebration and there were a couple times where he messaged me he's like hey i'm on Lido, but like my ankle really hurts could you come and get me a drink and so I went up there, got him a drink, brought it over to him. And there was another time where he was recovering in his cabin, and he really wanted a Reuben sandwich from the deli. And so he, he messaged me, and he was just like, oh, hey, man, like, I don't want room service. Could you just go to the deli and get me a Reuben? I'm like, no problem. I was all too happy to be, you know, Uber Eats for Sam on that trip. But without Chad, he couldn't have done any of it. And his philosophy is that if you got, only if you have people in different cabins doesn't make sense, and only to coordinate for mealtime. Strong disagree. If you're traveling with anyone that you don't hate, <laughs> get the chat. Uh, I probably uh, beat that dead horse thoroughly, but I just 
please <laughs> don't screw yourself on your cruise don't make it worse make it better spend the five dollars we will help you find ways to save that five dollars elsewhere if there's something i'm missing about the chat plan let me know if you're watching on youtube comment below send me an email team at vacationimpossible.ca you can follow us on twitter at vacayimpossible we're also on facebook instagram wherever else if you disagree with my take on the chat plan let me know why that is uh and if it's just a protest against the nickel and diming you know they say forgiveness is a gift you give yourself <laughs> and so you're basically there flogging yourself saying see carnival this isn't cool <laughs> send them an email comment on john Heald's facebook page or something there's other ways to let them know tell them in the survey <laughs> but don't torture yourself your friends and your family as a, as a protest against carnival's nickel and diming Strong disagree. That's your philosophy. There's better places you can do it. Just don't go to the steakhouse. I think that that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. That's my stand against nickel and diamond. Steakhouse has been devalued. I talked about it in previous podcast. So that's that's where I'll protest. Maybe I'm denying myself some steak. I don't know. But I'm not bothering anybody else. I don't begrudge anyone who goes to the steakhouse. If that's your thing and you think it's good value, enjoy. Ironically, we've got a question from another person from Vacation Impossible who's not on this trip. I came upon a recent video, our Hidden Decks video was published. And so Mindy asks, do all Carnival cruise ships have hidden decks? And the answer is no. There is, I believe, one exception. And that is the XL class. The XL class, so the Mardi Gras, the Celebration, and the forthcoming Jubilee do not have hidden decks, to the best of my knowledge. But every other Carnival cruise ship does have hidden decks. And we have a video on our YouTube channel that will show you how to find it on every ship, regardless of class. It's a simple strategy. Works every time. And then, of course, we've got videos of specific ships, Panorama, Vista, Nathanesia, and others that will show you specifically where to find hidden decks. Hidden decks are fantastic because if things get too people and you just need a break... Hidden decks are fantastic. Why do they call them hidden decks? Why do they call them secret decks? People are like, well, they're not hidden. They're just right there. Well, the reason we call them hidden or secret is because they don't generally appear on the ship maps as a area that guests can go to. And part of the reason for that is that in times of high winds, they have to close down those decks. And so they don't advertise it because it's frequently and often not available. But it often is. And so it just depends on the kind of weather that you have. And so rather than deny people something intermittently, it's just kind of a secret that's maybe not super well kept because I'm out to tell the world because they're fantastic. So maybe you want a little romantic time with your sweetie or you just need a break from the crowds or you just want a view where you're not having to look over the shoulders of 20 other people. Whatever it is, maybe you're just sick of them playing music everywhere all the time and you just want a quiet place to go to. Maybe you don't have a balcony or your balcony is being used by your other cabin mates and you just need some time alone. Then it's lovely. And so that is, to me, I think, the glory of Hidden Decks. And I'm not to harp on it again, tie it all back into the chat, but you can be, okay, like, you can go to a Hidden Deck to get away from people, and if you've got your phone and you've got chat, it's not like you're ignoring people or you're hiding. The deck is hidden. By being there, you're not. You can still receive messages. Someone say, hey, what's up? What are you doing? Oh, I'm on the Hidden Deck. I'm on Deck 7 forward. What's up? You want to come hang out with me, or what do you want to go do? Whatever. Uh, so that's quick question and answer there about hidden decks. 
So I think this is going to be probably the last topic for this podcast because I'm still under the weather and there's still a lot I want to do on my last sea day on this ship. So the last topic here is uh, Sam specifically requested this earlier today. Not enough to actually appear on the podcast, but he, it's a topic he wanted me to cover, which is people sitting on stairs. And now he asked this as we were trying to get to our brunch today and the stairs were clogged because people were sitting on them. And so, okay, uh, not prepared to discuss this in any depth. Um... So two thoughts about people sitting on stairs. Firstly, I think we should try to accept people as they are and not assume we know what's going on with them because that leads to sort of, and I, I don't like the label that much because it's, it's, it's super negative, but like ableist thinking, which is if you assume everyone is physically and emotionally and functionally able to do everything, then you make a lot of assumptions about them when they might be utilizing an accommodation. Now, Stairs are not to be sat on. That's the rule. Fair enough. But maybe something just happened. Maybe you got devastating emotional news. Maybe someone incredibly close to you died and you just got a notification and you just collapse. But you happen to be on the stairs when it happens. And someone comes and maybe consoles you. And so they sit next to you to get at your level, you know, shoulder to cry on, put the arm around you for comfort, rub your back, whatever might help, provide some physical connection, emotional support. In a moment like that, you don't know. And so when you see someone sitting on the stairs, you might think to yourself, that lazy SOB. But they could be having the worst moment of their lives. And you could have no way of knowing that. So, something to consider. The people that we saw sitting on stairs, it was near the restaurant. And the restaurants, they've been really slow. That's one thing, actually, to tack on to my review of the Venezia. The service in the restaurants has been really slow, and the check-in times have been really, like, inaccurate in the sense that you tend to wait two to three times longer than anything the app will tell you. And so it feels like the restaurant is understaffed or something. Something, there's some inefficiency there. They take your orders um, most of the time on mobile devices, which is kind of cool, and you can see in your account summary right away if they got it right. And they got it right the whole time. No mistakes, which was good. However, it was really slow. Versus other ships I've been on, regardless of class, from Fantasy to XL, this is one of the slowest I've experienced in terms of service in the dining room. And the dining room was rarely full. So that was kind of a thing. Maybe that's a post-pandemic thing. Maybe it's an inaugural cruise thing. Maybe they haven't fully staffed up yet. I don't know. But that, that was something. And so the service in the restaurant being slow and people having to wait three times longer than estimated, if you got something in your app that says your table will be ready in less than 10 minutes, that's the lowest it gets. It goes from under 10 minutes to your table is ready. And once your table is ready, you have 10 minutes to get to the table before they give it away according to the rules in the app. So if you have a mobility challenge, maybe you can't just run down there in 10 minutes. And so maybe as soon as you see, oh, under 10 minute wait, maybe for you, if you need a extra time or it's really far away, that might be the time to head to the restaurant for you. That would be fair. Makes perfect sense. Totally reasonable, right? So then you get there and then you find out that it, you end up waiting 20 or 30 minutes, even though it's supposed to be less than 10. And let's say that you're not fully physically able. Maybe you have a bad hip or something. It could be something as simple as that. Maybe you twisted your ankle in port the previous day. Uh, too many of us can relate to that. I've done it. Sam's done it. So standing could be hard, but you can't just be whipping back and forth to your cabin. It could be halfway across the ship. And where we were, there was no seating nearby where our restaurant is located. It was like deck three. 
So you see the stairs and no one's using that part of the stairs. And so maybe you just sit down to take a load off. And so, yes, technically, you're not supposed to sit on the stairs. Now, if you're sitting on the stairs because sitting is better than standing or you feel like it or this is your answer to a hidden deck and you want to get away from the crowds and the music, the whatever. No, there's other places you can go. You can go to the you know plaza. You can go to deck five. You can go back to your cabin. You can go to Lido. There's tons. Of, you can go to the hidden deck where there is a bench. So there's just no need to sit on the stairs if you are completely able to, you know, stand or just not be on the stairs. But if you're emotionally devastated or if you're physically unable to not, you know, be there, I think that there is grace in allowing for that. And, you know, on Facebook, whether in our group or elsewhere, on Twitter, on the Internet, we often jump to the worst assumption. And I hope that it hasn't become a habit over the course of the pandemic when we were not physically connected to people in the same way that we were. It's much easier to see the reality on someone's face, potentially, particularly now that very few people wear masks. So, like, I'm going down the stairs and I see a couple of people sitting on the stairs. It's kind of blocking and there's a slowdown or whatever and maybe I'm in a bit of a rush and I get annoyed. I'm looking at the back of their heads and I'm thinking vile thoughts, maybe, or, or you know, snarky thoughts, whatever. And then as I pass them, I look down and I see that they're crying. Or I see pain on their face, physical discomfort. I don't know about you, but I can't help but feel sympathy and kind of adjust. And I a little shame and guilt follows. Well, oh man, I was just thinking the most vile, snarky things about this person who's having a much worse time than I am either due to a physical injury, disability, emotional crisis, whatever it is. So don't sit on the stairs if there's any other alternative. But if you're physically needing to do so, uh, if you just can't stand anymore, I understand. And uh, I think that rather than going through that emotional roller coaster I might go through, where I think the vile thoughts, then I feel the shame, let's skip to the end. Let's skip the vile thoughts. Let's skip the shame. And let's just go to some sense of acceptance. Accept people as they are, situations as they are, and then adjust yourself. There's people sitting on the stairs on this side. I will go down the other side. Oh, there are people sitting on the stairs. The other side is, there is no other side, maybe. And there's parts of the ship where that's the case. And maybe, you know, okay, I've got 10 minutes to get to my table. And it's now going to take me three minutes to get there instead of two. That's okay. That's okay. A little understanding, a little positivity out into the world, I think... You know, uh, as I said earlier, not not particularly religious necessarily, but a lot of religions uh, encapsulate this sense of, I think, spirituality and acceptance. And so whatever your belief system is, whatever you think, I, I would beg of you to not jump to the worst conclusion every time and then invite this negativity and vile thoughts or whatever into yourself because it poisons you, not them. You yell at them, start a fight. That's probably not great. You're not going to feel good after that. Eventually, you're going to look back on how you treated that person, potentially. Now, maybe they're just kids and they're screwing around and you told them, stop screwing around. And then maybe they hustled off and, you know, you used your your, your, your parent or teacher voice and, you know, your authoritative voice and, and you got them to behave. And, okay, that's one thing. And so that's fine. That's cool. You're probably not going to feel bad about that. You probably feel good about that. I'll be like, hey, I saved the staff having to do it. <laughs> and so, you know. Try to judge those situations with an open mind and not immediately assume the absolute worst and then just go to your absolute worst 
in response would be my thinking. So I don't, I don't know exactly why Sam wanted me to talk about this. I just, uh, hopefully, that provides uh, maybe a slightly different perspective that we can all have a little bit more understanding when we encounter situations like that because a twisted ankle can happen to any of us at any time, I have certainly learned. And so I think it's much better to be surrounded by people who are understanding, keeping an open mind about that rather than people who are going to jump on you because you are not affording them every convenience in life. You are inconveniencing them ever so slightly with your particular need. And I think that we need to be a little bit more understanding than that. So on that, you know, request for calm, which hmm, I'm requesting for like calm, forgiving, accepting rational thought on the internet. This is not going to go well. <laughs> I am not going to make it. I anticipate the hate emails and comments, and I might just even read them for fun. Uh, if you do want to reach out to us, though, team at vacationimpossible.ca, or as I said, vacayimpossible on Twitter. We're Vacation Impossible everywhere else because they don't have the character limit Twitter has. And yeah, so thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Vacation Impossible podcast. This has been a good one. I've enjoyed talking about some of these subjects. Hopefully my cold hasn't you know, made it too difficult to listen to. Uh, thank you so much, uh, dear listener, for tuning in don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice if you haven't already if your podcast platform allows you to give a rating uh we would appreciate it a five star rating or maximum whatever it is is always appreciated but of course be honest and feel free to reach out provide feedback if you'd like to suggest a future topic uh joining our patreon patreon.com slash vacation impossible you can reach out to us there and of course the email and the social media i mentioned earlier or in our facebook group all sorts of stuff there we're active every day in our facebook group so that's another a good place to go and ask a question request a topic whatever you'd like so with all that having been said thank you so much for tuning in and hopefully we'll see you in the next episode and for those of you who noticed that it took me five months to publish the last episode the december uh, episode that came out in may i do apologize for that delay i will try to get my editing a little faster <laughs> we had so many videos from the celebration and the panorama to get out that uh, we had to triage and so it was sort of the urgent information and videos and stuff and urgent requests we got out before that podcast so there it did fall a bit behind but uh, hopefully this won't take nearly so long so uh, an apology there and thank you so much for your patience and for listening and we'll see you in the next podcast thanks for listening